Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just before you take your seat, I just want to uh, just pray for a few people. I just wanted to... Um, we have uh, one of the... Uh, elderly of our congregation, Robin, who's been part of this congregation for over 20 years, I think, many, many years, and she's been in and out of hospital. I think it'd be great for us to pray for her. But I also want to acknowledge Lorraine and Nicholas. Nicholas is Robin's son, and Lorraine is Nicholas's carer and does just such a phenomenal job. And I just, I just want us to just uh, acknowledge and honour Lorraine this morning and, and welcome Nicholas as they faithfully come to church. And we're just going to pray for Robin this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Robin. We thank you, Lord, that uh, for all that life has uh, uh, dealt out to her, that she still loves you and holds on to you. And we pray, God, that you would comfort her, you would heal her, you would be with her at this time. We thank you for her. We pray your blessing upon her in Jesus' name. Amen. And we have a great lot of people that are looking after her, reaching out and caring for her. The Huberts and the Cadenas and the Crofts amongst many of you. So uh, thank you for doing all of that. I want to pray for Marion. Marion is here from Perth. Uh, can I pray for you? Is that okay? Have we got any other interstate visitors with us today? Any, any other interstate? I don't know if... You know, across the border in New South Wales, counts as in the state. Probably depends how far you've come. But, um, but um, Marion is Christy, our worship leader this morning. Mum, and uh, I know, amazing. <laughs> you should be very proud. I just, um, I felt God just put on my heart for you this morning, Marion. That uh, there is coming up for you a significant God moment. And uh, in the next little while, and it's going to be a, an encounter that will take you back to your first love. And that this will just rekindle something that maybe have, you feel has just kind of not been snuffed out or extinguished, but has just not been flickering as brightly as you would like it to be. And I just, I, I felt God saying that there is going to be that that first love encounter coming up for you. Father, right now, I just thank you for Marion. Thank you for her faithfulness to you and to your plans and purposes and to your call. And I just thank you, God, for this God encounter. Lord, this first love experience that you are bringing back to her. And I just thank you for her and Keir and their extended family. I pray your blessing upon them. And we give you glory, praise and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Fantastic. Well, you can grab a seat. Thank you, worship team. Always doing such a phenomenal job for us. It is great to be back. But I do have to say that uh, two weeks in, well, it was 10 days in Fiji was delightful. Um, when you we were back in the country, when... Uh, there was uh, plane flight delays because of bad weather, and then uh, we had to stop over in, uh, in Sydney overnight because we missed our connecting flight, and then uh, 
And then they couldn't put us on another flight because all the next flights were grounded. So we ended up on a bus uh, from Sydney. I mean, first world problems, right? But, um, but uh, it's good to be back. We had a great time. We avoided all the falling coconuts, you'll be glad to know. So uh, didn't do much, just relaxed a lot. And uh, it, was, it was great. Mid-year break was fantastic. So, uh, and I echo what Deb said, that um, the uh, team listening to the messages the guys have been preaching has been fantastic. And uh, the theme wrapping up today is um, uh, when we open up to others. And this is out of this scripture um, that we've been looking at. But, um, you know, finishing, the, the, thing about, the thing about relationships, the thing about church life is church life is so rich because of the relationships. And church life is so challenging because of the relationships. And that's essentially life, isn't it? Life is rich because of our relationships and life is challenging because of our relationships. But, um, you know, I think that uh, I want to spend some time this morning just, uh, just going into that scripture and we'll, we'll get to it in a minute uh, when we open up to others because I think what we're talking about this, the essence of what we're talking about is vulnerability. And I'm going to challenge you to grab the initiative when it comes to, to um, uh, vulnerability in relationship because I think it's a powerful gift that, that we have the opportunity to, um, to uh, release. Many years ago, we moved, uh, Deb and I moved our young family from Sydney up to the Gold Coast to Corumban. We bought an acreage in Corumban and uh, moved our family up there and uh, built the dream house and all that sort of stuff. And in the process of that, I bought a trailer and the trailer had a sticker on it. And the sticker on the back of the trailer said, uh, I thought I was wrong once, but I was wrong. <clears throat> thought I was wrong once, but I was actually wrong. And, you know, I think sometimes our attitudes can hold us back from um, being vulnerable. I just want to play a clip, a YouTube clip for you, just to uh, help you understand where I'm coming from with this. Thanks, Wayne. Don't forget that Fon's real. I mean, it's not important. <laughs> I figured I'd hang in the barracks and cheer up the guys. Well... You're not going to hang these up at any barracks because you're not going to join a Marine. Just take all this stuff home, okay? But Fonzie, not join? I'm all packed. You told me it was the right thing to do. Look, I know what I told you to do, but when I told you to do that, I was risen. <laughs> Ralph, I was <laughs> I was not exactly right. What do you mean, not right? I mean, not right. I don't get you. You mean you were wrong? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Malfi. I was what you just said I was just then, yeah. Wrong? The Fonz wrong? Malf, look. <laughs> there is a first time for everything, huh? I don't understand, Fonz. How could you be wrong about a thing like that? Well, I don't understand it myself, Ralph. I don't understand myself. I was under a lot of pressure. I was under a lot of cause. Two, two of them were Edsels. Maybe the pressure was getting to me. I don't know. No, Fonzie. You might have been under a lot of cars, but you weren't wrong. You were right. Everything you said about me was true. I'm useless around here. I gotta join. Everybody hates me. I'll see you. Mouth. 
I didn't tell you why I was, uh... Wrong? I didn't tell you why you shouldn't join the Marines. Why shouldn't I go, Fonzie? Tell me. Because if you join the Marines, I'm gonna miss you. So, he was wrong. <laughs> We've all been wrong, I think, from time to time, but sometimes it's hard to admit it, right? And um, the vulnerability that, uh, that the Fonz, I'm not portraying him as a role model in any sense of anything, but uh, sometimes it's hard to admit when you're wrong, and sometimes it's hard to admit when you've got feelings, but... Uh, I just want to unpack this scripture in Matthew 5.16 this morning a little bit further. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. So what does it mean to open up to others? What does that mean? And how... Will that prompt people to open up to God? And, you know, if this is so important, you know, how are we going to be able to do this? So I want to talk about vulnerability. I want to talk about vulnerability, a relational virtue that is countercultural. It's almost even counterintuitive in this day and age. It's so foreign to our culture uh, that, that... kind of champions being proud and defensive and yet the scripture teaches us that brokenness and vulnerability are, are really where authentic relationships start and are built from. We're exhorted uh, to be the change that we want to see, to actually initiate and be the change that we want to see. We cannot change a single person. All we can do is be the change initiate the change in our own life and in our own world and see what the repercussions and the the effect of that is. Brené Brown, who has uh, um, presented one of the most viewed TED Talks in history, I think over 10 million views on vulnerability and the power of vulnerability. She's a vulnerability expert and she makes this statement, vulnerability is not weakness, And and that myth is profoundly dangerous. Vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. Vulnerability is the emotion that we experience when during times of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. I'll say that again. Vulnerability is the emotion that we experience during times of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. As Mother Teresa said, Honesty and transparency make you vulnerable, but be honest and transparent anyway. I want you to do, uh, I want you to just kind of do a little exercise with me, indulge me with this. I want you to kind of close your eyes, go to your God space. I'm going to ask you some questions and I want you to score yourself on a scale of one to five in response to these questions. One being never and five being always. I'm just going to ask some questions of you to think, to stimulate your thinking. The first question, scoring yourself one to five. 
I often admit when I'm wrong and ask forgiveness for others, from others. I often admit when I'm wrong and I ask forgiveness from others. One to five. One never, five always. Or secondly, I'm able to speak freely about weaknesses, failures and mistakes that I make. Never, always. Third question. Others would describe me as gentle, open and transparent. How did you score yourself on that one? Next question. Those close to me would say I'm not easily offended or hurt. How do you score yourself on that one? I'm consistently open, fifth question, to listening and applying constructive criticism and feedback that others might have for me. How do you score on that one? Never, always. Sixth one, I'm rarely judgmental or critical of others. How would you score yourself on that one? Or the last one, number seven, how would you score yourself on this one? Others would say that I'm slow to speak and quick to listen and very good at seeing things from their perspective. These questions I've kind of uh, brought to you to challenge you in terms of thinking about vulnerability and emotional openness that you might have. So the first thought then, what does it mean to open up to others? If we're going to respond to this scripture that we're talking about here, that we read earlier Matthew, in Matthew 5, what does it mean to open up to others? I think the, we need to soften our heart and to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says this, My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weaknesses. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now, I take limitations in my stride. And with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size... Abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. Just so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. This is an incredible, challenging and sobering scripture. I think it gives us the bedrock of what it means to open up to others. That out of our weakness comes strength. You know, we can... Pretend that the world is conspiring against us in every situation and circumstance that comes our way. But I heard somebody challenge recently and it said, maybe what we need to do is to pretend that the world is actually conspiring for us to succeed and be successful. And so that we no longer see ourselves as a victim, but we're actually the opposite of victims. We're actually people who are empowered and take every situation that comes our way as a learning opportunity and a place for growth. That's why I love that scripture out of the message that we just read. And and when he says, I take uh, limitations in my stride and with grand cheer, with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, I just let Christ take over. 
You know, if you and I are walking a walk of faith as Christians and we believe that, uh, that Jesus is Lord, then the things that happen to us have been permitted and as such, God wants to teach us something out of them. And he wants to allow us to grow richer in the, our walk with him. And so if we are actually walking faithfully and strongly, we have this place that our weaknesses are actually can become our strength because Christ takes over. So if we're going to open up to others, if we're going to be vulnerable, we're going to look at what that actually means to be vulnerable shortly. But how do we overcome the fear of vulnerability without being betrayed or taking advantage of? Because uh, sometimes the sense that, <clears throat> that vulnerability will actually uh, give people the opportunity to get one over us. We've got to think differently because it's, not about, it's, it's about how our relationship with God is carrying us and taking us. And so how do we overcome a fear of vulnerability? So number one, I think we, what we can do is we can knowledge, acknowledge the risks of vulnerability. You could be hurt by someone when they know you personally. And you could also be loved. People could actually love you more when they, when they realize where you're coming from. Uh, John Ortberg wrote a book called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. And in this book, he makes this statement. The irony of masks is that although we wear them to, to make other people think well of us, they are drawn to us only when, when, when we take them off. You can only be loved to the extent that you are known. We present a mask, but it's not what people actually want to see of us. People just want the real deal, the real authentic you. And there are inherent risks in vulnerability, which never go away. But that's life. Relationships will move at the speed of trust. And so we actually take opportunities to move forward. So overcoming the fear of vulnerability, we acknowledge that there are risks with vulnerability. We're, we're slow and intentional. The second thought is that we're slow and intentional with our vulnerability. Since trust is built over time, and as, and as someone shows a consistent pattern of behavior, we don't unload everything all at once. People, trust is earned and, and it's uh, built over time and we start to get to know people. And so we, we, we actually um, are wise with how we steward the vulnerability that our heart is. But that's the way we want to go. We don't want to hold back from it. We need to determine, the third thought is, uh, when we're um, overcoming the fear of vulnerability, is that we need to determine whether... But the person is safe or not. We don't be vulnerable with people that aren't safe. Not everyone can be trusted with access to the most vulnerable parts of our story and who we are. Henry Cloud, who wrote, uh, co-wrote the Boundaries book, has written a book called The Ten Qualities of Unsafe People. Three of them are worth thinking about in this conversation. Unsafe people do not like to admit their weaknesses. Unsafe people demand trust instead of earning it. And unsafe people um, apologize, but
but don't change their behavior. And so when we're figuring out the context of our vulnerability, we need to make sure that the people that we're figuring this out with are safe people. So there's three steps. Peter Scazzaro, who wrote The Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, he says there's three steps to living and embodying vulnerability and brokenness. The first one is to be a voracious learner, especially about yourself. Understand yourself. How approachable are you? How are people experiencing you? We need to embrace things like 360 um, reviews and that kind of things. If you do things like uh, the Myers-Briggs or Enneagram and those sorts of things, they're actually really helpful self-awareness tools that we can look at and think, okay, I can learn something about myself here. I can remember when I was in construction many years ago and, and uh, uh, my, one of my bosses said to me, I still picture it on the building site, the, when he said, turned to me and said, why are you so defensive all the time? And I, I kind of thought, I'm not defensive. <laughs> and then I thought, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, but if we're not open to, to, to listen and to learn, we need to be voracious learners, especially about ourselves. The second step towards living and embodying vulnerability is to actually share what he calls our shadow Share our shadow frequently and specifically. Your shadow is the accumulation of untamed emotions, less than pure motives and thoughts, that while largely unconscious, strongly influence and shape your behaviours. It is the damaged but mostly hidden version of who you are. It's the Jekyll and Hyde. Think triggers. Think the things that that trigger you when, you when you lose your cool or you no longer can maintain the composure of your outward kind of thing. It, um, you know, it's understanding what our shadow is, the, the, the deep dark parts of us that we actually need redeemed and uh, bringing under the, the blood of Jesus. It's like that shadow, the uh, untamed emotion, you know, that whole, the darker side of us that we don't put out there. And so if we're going to learn how to be uh, vulnerable, we've got to learn how to sort of talk to people about, you know what, there's this side of me that I'm struggling with and I'm trying to deal with. And when we do that with the right people in the right way, it actually really um, uh, reflects that sense of vulnerability. <clears throat> I think what it does, it stops us idealizing people and situations and uh, keeps us honest and grounded when we're aware of what our shadow world is and the, the deeper dark things that are inside of us. It means that um, we can embrace and embody and live in that sense of vulnerability. The third thought is to learn contentment, what it is to be content. If we can eliminate envy and learn to see how God is coming at us in life, why... God, why is this happening at this point in time? Ask the questions of God and embrace and, and live in that sense of contentment and not envious, well, everybody. How come it always works out for everybody else and how come it never works out for me? If we're in that kind of space, we're not, not, will, not in a strong place. 
But I think when we learn to live in contentment, we can pray powerful prayers like, Lord, your will be done. We're no longer dictating the way that we think God should be running our life. We're able to surrender to God and say, Lord, your will be done in my life. As we surrender those and learn to live in that sense of contentment. So what does this mean as we translate uh, and, and navigate vulnerability and, and how we apply it? How might it look in the workplace? What does it mean to be vulnerable in the workplace? You know, in, in Canberra, which is a, a political hub, obviously, and so many people working in public service and, and there's all sorts of uh, pressures of expectations and uh, performance management and all that sort of stuff. And yet you and I have the opportunity to build vulnerability into the workplace because as that scripture shows us, if we open up to others, that will help them open up to God. So this becomes an evangelistic tool in a sense. The way that we navigate our vulnerability, the way that we open up to others will be an opportunity for them to open up to God. Henry Cloud, again, I'm quoting him. He says, For you to build trust with people... You have to be vulnerable enough for them to identify with you so that you are not so unlike them as to be alien. And you have to be strong enough for them to feel that they can depend on you. It almost sounds, it's, it's like you've got to be real enough and, and vulnerable enough to identify, but then you've got to understand that there's a strength in our vulnerability and that the people can actually draw from that. And our strength in vulnerability is because there's one who's gone before us, who's shown how it is to walk in brokenness and shame. We'll get to that in a minute. But vulnerability in the workplace, we have this great opportunity to actually help others see God through our vulnerability. Now, that's a pretty challenging thought, don't you reckon? Well, I find it is. So vulnerability in the workplace is this great opportunity as we open up to others it will teach them how to open up to God. What a great thought. So it's like the, the conversations that you have the, 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 with people that are struggling with kids or marriages and relationships and all these sorts of things. The whole mess of the world that, that we get the privilege to come alongside. God has put you as a person of influence into somebody's world in the workplace. So that you can, by your opening up to them... Introduce them to opening up to God. What a great thought. Vulnerability in the workplace. What about vulnerability in marriage? Good sex requires trust and vulnerability. Open conversation requires trust and vulnerability. So in the marriage, vulnerability is key. And yet if we keep ourselves defensive and guarded and measured and only releasing certain parts of ourselves, we're missing out on, on so much. But if we can open up to our partner in marriage, then it will help them open up to God. What a powerful thought. It means that the change that we want to see, we can be the change that we want to see in our partner. That's a powerful thought. Vulnerability in marriage. What about vulnerability as a single dating person or wanting to or whatever? What would vulnerability look like in that situation? It needs to be the right kind of vulnerability. You know, you don't just wear your heart on your sleeve and go into every conversation and pour out your heart and, and all that kind of thing. It's, 
I think, though, that vulnerability means that we communicate our boundaries and we honour and respect our boundaries and we're vulnerable about them. It means we don't compromise our boundaries, but we say we have these boundaries in place and, and why we're there. And, it, and um, if we share what they are, then people get to see the side of us that we've opened up to them. And then maybe, just maybe, that might be appealing to the person that we're opening up to. So vulnerability in a, uh, in a dating situation, I think, is, in, is incredibly important and in appropriate sort of ways because it becomes this, this authenticity that, that of who we are. And so when we open up to others, as we've just been talking about in these three moments, these few moments, what does it mean to open up to others? All of those kind of things. So when we open up to others, when we're vulnerable, how then does this prompt people to open up to God? Why would it do that? Matthew 7:12 in the message says this. Here is a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Grab the initiative and do it for them. Now that's the thing I want I want you to go away with today is this thought and if you want a title for the message today it's grab the initiative grab the initiative grab the initiative you know i look at this and i think about it again in this context of the relational scripture open up to others uh, so that they may open up uh, to god it's like we we are actually giving people the gift of going second the gift of going second in other words you go first. We go first. The gift of going second. I'm going to unpack this. An author, Anne-Marie Miller, said this. It's the hardest thing to go first, to confess the broken, using awkward words and avoiding eye contact. What happens on the other side of that confession is something beautiful. When you confess, there's somebody on the other side of that confession who could very well be keeping a secret too. So when you go first, you're opening up this amazing opportunity for trust. You're saying, I'm broken. That trust carries so much power with it. It can give people the courage to go second. When people go second, it's not an easy thing, but because you've already broken the silence, you've already released some of the shame in that confession, it makes it a little bit easier. They know they can trust you. And so you give them a gift, the gift of going second. It's the gift of going second that starts waves of confession and healing. We can give people the gift of going second because we go first. The truth is that someone always has to go first. Someone always has to go first. And I think this is incredibly powerful because you and I can go first because we're not really going first, we're going second. Because somebody went first, and that was Jesus. He showed us what it was to be vulnerable. He modeled it for us. He went first, so you and I can go second. The truth is, someone is going to have to go first. One of us will have to ask or to risk. If you're going first, therefore, 
you've probably learned that you're not nearly as as alone as you think you are. It's almost like, what, you too? That happened to you as well? Or you feel that way as well? Or you're experiencing that pain as well? It's almost like opening up this opportunity to, for identification. Giving the gift of going second is all about putting yourself in someone else's shoes and remembering how powerful it was for you when someone shared their story with you. If someone has given you this gift, pay it forward to someone else. And the fact and the reality is that for you and I, someone has given us this gift. Our security in Christ means that we are not approaching relationship from a place of need, but from a place of value adding, and that somebody has gone first. Christ has gone first. And so the third point is, so the first one point was, what does it mean to open up to others? The second point is, how does this prompt other people to open up to God? Well, we're, our vulnerability gives them the gift of going second so they can then open up to God because our vulnerability is out of a place of our relationship with God and nothing else. The third thought is, because Jesus did, we can. We can go first. We can make the difference. We can open up to others so that they might see God. Brokenness, vulnerability are central to Jesus' life on earth. Jesus went first. He gave us the gift of going second. 2 Corinthians 1 verses 4 and 5 says this, He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. I just stop and think about this. We go through hard times so that God can bring us alongside somebody else to help them go through their hard times. Now that is totally non-consumant Christianity. It's totally surrendered, vulnerable Christianity. When you take what you've been through and the pain and everything else that you've walked through and you, God leads you alongside someone else so that you can help them. It's comforting the those that need comfort out of the comfort that we've received. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. It's incredible to me that we are as whole and as healed as we are to be that for somebody else comforting others with the comfort we have received. Galatians 2.20 says this, Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see living in me is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going back on that. Because Jesus did what he did, you and I can open up to others and in turn see them open up to God. Jesus enters our brokenness 
through, the, through his baptism, through the cross, through the shame and the nakedness and the, the depravity of what the cross represented. But in death we find resurrection. In the crucifixion we find the nature of God revealed in terms of... He's, he doesn't want to... Um, he didn't cover up the shame and the nakedness and the pain. He used it to set you and I free. The cross of brokenness defeated shame. So you and I don't need to be fearful of being vulnerable and opening up to others because of the shame attached to it. We actually are empowered through what happened on the cross. Shame was defeated. Our vulnerability is, is then... We've, we've actually got nothing to hide. <coughs> Excuse me. There's no resource left in ourselves. It's almost that's the definition of vulnerability. That we're not relying on our own resources. We're relying on what Christ did. In Matthew 5, at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is preaching this incredible message, and he talks about blessed are those who have hit rock bottom. Blessed are those who are at the end of their rope. Blessed are those who are so desperate that they just need more of God. They will see the kingdom of heaven. And that's, in a sense, where it's at for us. I think that, you know, one of the overarching themes for us this year is that we want to see people maturing in Christ, growing in God. I think that one of the signs of growth, one of the signs that we are maturing is that we are less proud, we are less defensive, we are more aware of our brokenness, we're all more vulnerable than we have ever been because we're more in touch with Christ than we have ever been. And so this morning, as we wrap up this relational um, theme for this month, I want us to think about how when we open up to others, I want us to think about the power of vulnerability, how it shifts and opens things up. And the reason that we can be vulnerable is because of what Christ has done for us. He's gone ahead of us and he's paid the price. I love, and I'll finish on this, Timothy Keller's prayer. He says, he writes this, he says, Lord Jesus Christ, I admit that I am weaker and more sinful than I ever before believed. But through you, I am more loved and accepted than I ever dared hope. It is the power of the cross. It is the power of the gospel that enables you and I to open up to others so that they, in turn, will open up to God. Let's just close our eyes. Can I invite you to stand this morning? Thank you, God. Holy Ghost, thank you, Father. Lord, I pray right across this congregation for every single one of us, God. Lord, that, that we would not allow pride or defensiveness to hold us back from what you are doing, the work you are doing in our hearts and lives. I pray that we would be vulnerable enough with wisdom to open up to others so that they might open up to God. Father, I thank you for the work that you have done and are doing and are yet to do in each and every one of us. I thank you for that 
sense of the price that was paid by what Christ did on the cross. I thank you, God. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that our vulnerability, which is rooted in what Christ did for us, is not just a permission for emotional download and dumping, but is actually a release for, for those around us to grow in the things of God. I thank you, Lord, that as we embrace the opportunities that our walk with you offers and provides for us, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in our singleness or our marriages, wherever it may be, in our parenting or whatever it is, God, that we can model the vulnerability that Christ paid the price to release us into. Father, I've come against the spirit of pride and I bind and break its power in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for healing of hurt hearts in this place today. Lord, maybe for those of us who have experienced a betrayal of trust, it doesn't mean that, that to trust people is wrong. It doesn't mean to be vulnerable is wrong. But God, give us the wisdom and discernment to know how to do that well and appropriately. But Father, I pray as we are obedient to your scripture that tells us to open up to others, that they, in turn, might open up to you, God. Father, we ask that on the other side of our vulnerability, we would see people being released and healed. We would see shame broken off people. And we thank you, God, just as you're breaking it off us. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you would minister into the hearts of your people here today. A sense of, a newfound sense of what it is to be vulnerable before you first and foremost and opening up to others in our world. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Saviour and Lord, this is the ideal moment to become vulnerable before the God of heaven, the maker of the universe, to come before him and say, you know what, I recognise that there is sin in my life and I actually just want to lay that down before you, God. I want to receive forgiveness and I will turn my life around towards you. If you're here today and you know you need to make that decision, whether it be for the first time or reconnect with God, and I would love to pray for you at the end of the service. If that's you and you know you need to become vulnerable before God in the first instance, just raise your hand so I can see it. Who today needs to make that decision? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We're going to about to close the service in a few moments. But if you would like prayer, we have a prayer team on the altar at the close of the service. If you would like prayer, maybe just to... Uh, just get a sense of covering over your vulnerability or maybe just uh, releasing a betrayal of trust that's happened in the past or whatever it is, then uh, our team out here would love to pray with you. I just want to pray a blessing over you now. Father, I thank you for every single person here today. I thank you, God, that you would bless our going out and our coming in. You would cause us to prosper in everything that we set our hand to. I thank you, God, that we can open up to others 
because of what you have done in our lives and that because when we open up to others, they will be able to open up to you, God. I thank you for the divine privilege that it is to share our story, to be vulnerable with people. And I thank you, God, that your son paid the ultimate price, that he bore our shame, he bore our iniquity, he bore our nakedness. And I thank you, God, that because of that, we are able to go into this world and make a difference by opening up to others. God, strengthen us to do that as we go our way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Thank you, God. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.